Today I want to talk to you about being people of significance. People of significance. I think, I think we're, we're, we're in an identity crisis. In fact, I know we're in an identity crisis in the church today. We don't, the church doesn't know who it is. I think when the church learns and understands who they are, things around us will drastically change. Make it personal. If you start to live from your identity that is found only in Christ and not from any other identity that you're trying to seek, how does that change your life? Because if I live from my identity in Christ alone, then that means this, I don't need anybody else's validation. I don't need anybody else's approval. So I'm not acting out of my character. I'm not acting out of anything else. I'm just being who I am, who God's called me to be, and I'm satisfied and settled in that. And you can talk about me, you can post about me, you can gossip about me. It don't matter because what God thinks about me is more important than what you think about me. If the church ever realizes who she is, oh, man, God's church is significant. What is significance? Significance is importance, its weight, or the influence of something or someone. Look at your neighbor and very, very courageously or confidently tell them you're important. You're weighty. Say it. Say it. You're weighty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, be careful. Y'all fell right into that one. <laughs> Some of y'all going to pay for that one later. <laughs> yeah, you eating salad for lunch, bro. <laughs> Look at them and say, you have influence. Oh, yeah. How many of you would, by show of hands, consider yourself to be an influencer? By show of hands. Okay, the minority of the room. And I expected that. Because most of us understand influence as defined by our culture. Not as defined by the kingdom. And so we don't see ourselves as influencers because we don't, we don't influence like the world influences. You see, the world uses politicians. They, 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 re, they, they define influence and significance like, like with politicians. <laughs> he needs to be in church. <laughs> celebrities. We think that celebrities are the ones who influence. And though they have some influence, their significance is only worldly. It's not it's not. Extra world. It's not, it's not beyond this world. Their influence doesn't carry beyond this world. Their influence only stays in this world. Athletes, the wealthy, maybe social media influencers. I took a trip to, you're laughing, that dude's probably banking. No, I'm serious because the world's bought into that if some guy gets on YouTube and says certain things about this and he's confident about it, then everybody tends to believe him and he gets a paycheck for it. Went on a trip to Haiti uh, right before COVID hit and a girl that joined us on the trip, she was, she was a believer, but she was a social media influencer. 
she was quite interesting because she was caught in the trap. I know who Jesus is. I gave my life to him. But my significance comes from what the world says about me, Shababy. Come on, how many know she's in a bind? So the world sees and seeks significance through prominence, possessions, and pleasure. And I want you to see today that Jesus sees influence very differently than the world does. I want you to think about this for a minute. Jesus was not famous, and he wasn't the most wealthy, yet his life made the most significant impact on our world, did it not? How did he do that? Like, we begs the question, how did Jesus be who he was and have such a long-lasting impact on the world, and yet he, was, he had no celebrity, he had no fame, he was not wealthy, the same way that you and I can. So today we're going to look at the last supper Jesus had with his disciples. And in this one meal, we're going to learn from Jesus what it means to really live a life of significance. Go with me to John chapter 13. We're going to, we're going to for the most part, stay in the story of the Last Supper. I'm going to, I'm going to be in John 13, the most of the message, and then I'm going to jump to, to Luke 22 to show you something. It's just a different perspective. It's the same moment, but just a different perspective. But this is the Last Supper that Jesus would have with his disciples. John 13, one to two, that's it, let's pray. Let's pray for just a minute. Lord, help us today. God, speak through me today. Open our hearts, our minds, our ears. God, give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Help us to get your message today, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 13, starting in verse one. It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was supper. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. So I want you to stop for a minute and think about the power of this moment. In this one moment, there's religious leaders that are making a plan to come and arrest Jesus. Judas is probably meeting with them to betray, to betray Jesus or has met with them already. The disciples are getting ready to abandon him, though they don't think they will. Peter's going to deny him, though he says he will not. Jesus knows his death is imminent and that this would be the last meal he would have with his disciples. This moment is like a deathbed moment. You ever have a deathbed moment with somebody that you love? A moment where you knew they were only hours away and you listened or maybe you got close and they whispered something in your ear and you knew that the last words they would say would probably be the, some of the most important words that they would say. I, I'm reminded of my last moments, my, my, my deathbed moments with Pastor Bubba. Cheryl and I, we went and sat with him only days before he passed away and he spoke life over us and he, he gave us kind of the last moments of his life and and in those moments, it was just significant. It was just serious and it was just so important. That's this moment. The Last Supper is that moment. Jesus takes communion with them. He breaks the bread, which represents his body. Then he takes the cup, 
which represents the blood that he would pour out for them. In such a, such a serious moment, you would think, man, that surely the disciples understood the moment. Surely they, they felt the moment. How many of you are not good at feeling the moment? You don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. Like some of you can be in a serious moment and you're going to crack a joke. And you're like, no, bad timing. Like, didn't you feel the moment? Okay. Uh, others of you may be like in a, in a fun moment and you come in with something serious and it's like, pew, 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 pew. Just pop the tire, all the air is out. You just ruin the moment. Anyway, you would think the disciples would be in the moment, but Luke shows us something different. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but in Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 24, the disciples were thinking something in this moment, but I don't think it was what Jesus thought they would be thinking about. Yeah, that came out right. Verse 24, then, he began, then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Are you kidding me? Jesus told them, in this world, kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Say different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who's more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but listen to these words, but not here. Not in kingdom culture. It's not the one that sits in the table that's the greatest. It's the one that serves the table that's the greatest. And Jesus is making a point in the middle of their argument. He's saying, no, listen to me. Titles don't make you great. Service makes you great. And then watch what he says. For I am among you as one who serves. There's a, there's a powerful lesson right here that I think we got to grab today because some of us are still raising kids. And some of us will one day get some grandkids and we get to influence and, and use our influence over. And I want you to realize this. Jesus never got mad at them or corrected them for wanting to be great. He never addressed their desire to be great. He didn't want to squelch that. He wanted them to desire and long to be significant and to be great. All he did was change the definition of greatness. He said, I don't want you to lose your desire to be great. So sometimes we can correct people and rebuke people for wanting to be great. Don't do that. Just redefine what greatness is. Come on, somebody. Just redefine it because they can still be great with the right definition. My God in heaven, it's okay to be great on this planet, but I want to be great when I get to heaven. Like, I want people to know me when I get there. So greatness is not how, how big your following is on social. It's not being the best, and it's not even being the boss. Ooh. Jesus is saying to them in this moment, significance comes through serving. Significance comes through serving. So Jesus, the way of Jesus is servanthood. That's how Jesus rolled. Jesus rolled with servanthood. There's plenty of verses that tell us that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. 
This is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Like there's no one greater than Jesus, and yet he stooped down low and came to serve and not be served. The way of Jesus is servanthood. How many of you remember show and tell in school? Come on. Remember they'd bring a professional in and he would show you or they would show you what they did and tell you all about it, right? It was kind of like a demonstration with an example and it was really cool because you got to get a break from the teacher and the teacher got to get a break from you. (laughs) Come on, somebody. That's what that was all about. The teacher just need a break. (laughs) Jesus has a show and tell moment with his disciples. Watch verse 4 of chapter 13 and verse 5. I'm going to get to verse 3 in a minute. So Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. In this serious moment that Jesus having, he's having with his disciples, one of the greatest things he does is he gets up from the, from the table, takes off his robe, wraps a towel around his waist, gets a water basin, fills it up with water, and begins to wash his disciples' feet. My friends, that's significance. Just in case you're wondering, they didn't have Crocs back in those days. It was all open toe, baby. I don't wear open toe. I got ugly toe, I don't wear open toe. I covered in mugs, and you grateful. My feet got beat up in football. Feet are nasty, right? Come on, how many of you would agree? Yes, some double hands came up. Yeah, they're nasty. They're dusty. These things were open toe, baby. I mean, they had stuff in between. Y'all get in the picture? I didn't want to get too far because it kind of grosses me out too. It's one of the lowest things a person can do is to wash another person's foot. How many of you have ever had somebody else wash your feet? And I'm not talking about somebody that you paid at the spa. Okay, I'm not talking about a spa day, but like somebody came in a spiritual moment and washed your feet. How humbling is that? I can totally relate to Peter in this story. He's like, oh, no, you're not touching my feet. (laughs) Quite humbling. And I'm not proposing that we start a foot washing ministry. If the Lord tells you to go wash somebody's feet, that's great. But Jamie ain't going to tell you to go wash somebody's feet. I'm going to tell you just to grab your towel and go do something with it. (laughs) So be careful that you don't just see the illustration and miss the message here. I want to give you three thoughts about significance today. Number one, significance is about the towel, not the title. Significance is about the towel. It's not about the title. You see, in the Roman culture, it was all about status. It was all about who could be the greatest and who could move up and get close to the greatest people around. You had the emperor, you had the royal family, you had the government officials, then you had the working class, then you had servants who were paid, and then you had slaves who were not paid. And that was the social structure of that day, much like it is today. It was customary for the slave who was not paid 
to do the feet washing. (laughs) It was the lowest of the low to do the lowest job possible. The emperor would surely not get low and wash somebody else's feet. So Jesus gets up from the table and he does this thing in front of his disciples that shocks the whole room. They weren't even prepared for this. He gets up, takes his robe off, throws the towel around his waist, gets a basin, fills it up, and water goes to his feet, and he starts to wash their feet. He got low. Why do we have such a hard time getting low? You see, in that moment, the creator was washing the feet of the created. Jesus' title was rabbi and Lord, and, and those, those titles usually meant that somebody was going to serve you always. You see, our culture today says that significance is in the ascending. It's in the going up. Like you become more significant the higher up the ladder you get. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. But kingdom culture says it's in the descending. It's in the getting low. It's interesting, though, because every disciple walked right past the water basin and never grabbed the towel, never took off their robe and washed each other's feet. It was every man for himself. And remember what Luke said, they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. You ever get more preoccupied with your seat at a table than serving? Do you ever? You ever get caught up in that? Like my my seat needs to be in the right place. Like my seat, I need to have a seat at the table. And you get so focused on having a seat that you forget that you were called to serve. And, And let me just warn you of this this morning, that every one of us can get caught up in a self-absorbed way of living when we don't recognize who our Savior is, who the King of Kings is, and the Lord of Lords is, and that he got up from the table and he served. You might want to write this down. If you're too great to do the little things, you're too little to do the great things. Can I say that one more time? If you're too great to do the little things, then you're probably too little to do the great things. So Jesus teaches them about the towel. What does the towel represent? Don't don't get caught up in the illustration that now I got to go grab a towel, a basin, and go wash everybody's feet. That's not just it. The towel represents something bigger than that. The towel represents your abilities, your talents, your gifts, your resources. You use them as the Holy Spirit leads you to use them. You have to, you have to start with a servant's heart. You have to start with the posture of, Lord, whatever you want me to do today. Lord, I give you this day. That's how you should start every morning. Lord, this is your day. It's not my day. I have my plans, but even my plans submit to your lordship. 
and I want to follow your Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit leads me, I guarantee you God's going to allow you to use your time, your talents, your gifts, your treasures, your abilities, and your resources to go and wash somebody's feet. Amen? Amen. <laughs> you ever get tired from using your talent? You ever get tired from using your giftings? Jesus don't mind if your towel gets dirty. In fact, I think he expects your towel to get dirty. I think if we're going to be exhausted, we just assume be exhausted following the leadership of the Holy Spirit and going and using our towel in a society that needs a towel and not a title. I mean, if you're going to be tired, be tired for something that's going to pay off in, in, in eternity, not tired for something that's only temporary. But yet we're not careful. We give everything we got to a job that's, that's meaningless and, and it has no purpose to it and we don't serve people with a servant's heart. Listen to me, tomorrow is not about a paycheck. It's about 24 hours to be used by the Holy Spirit to touch and impact the world around you. And sometimes that is in how you work, and it is in your job, and it is in your resources. Sometimes, but not every day. I told our dream team this morning, all those that are serving today from the parking lot all the way to the pulpit, I told them, I said, man, thank you for grabbing your towel today. I know some of you in this room could probably afford and, and really need to sit into a, ser in a service today and get poured into in a moment like this, but I just want to tell you thank you for grabbing your towel and serving today. Do you know there's people in these buildings out here and in the back back here that are using their towel on your kids right now? They're washing the feet of your children right now? So grateful for our dream team. You see, if you'll be faithful with a towel, God will often give you the title. You want to know who God gives titles to? People that ain't looking for them. <laughs> Come on, somebody. People that ain't looking for them. You can smell them coming down the road. They're looking for a title. Second thought. Significance is about giving, not gaining. It's about giving, not gaining. Watch what Mark chapter 10, verse 42 to 45 says. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Who gives your life away? Who can give your life away? Only you can give your life away. Jesus gave his away. He, he lowered himself down for us and served us and gave his life for us, being the example that I have a choice every day to give my life away. I can keep it and, and, and sustain it and try to preserve it for, for future, and I can hold on to it tightly and hoping that nobody steals anything from me. But listen to me, you have the power to give your life away. 
I was thinking about this during worship this morning, that when you're trying to to gain in the world, you're trying to gain status and significance and importance in the world, can we just be honest? It's exhausting. Come on, can we be honest this morning? Like it's exhausting to climb the corporate ladder. It's exhausting to climb the social status. It's exhausting to, to find the, how the world defines significance in the world that we live in today, right? It's exhausting. You know what actually gives us life? And some of you may recognize this and some of you may have never experienced this before. But what gives you life is when you lower yourself into somebody else's situation and you start to give your life to them and it means something. It's not cheap like the applause of man. It has eternal consequences and all of heaven is rejoicing because you lowered yourself into somebody else's life and now your life is full. You were designed, created, and made to serve other people and you'll never be fulfilled until you do. You'll never be fulfilled until you do. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Go look at all these rich billionaires. They're empty. You were designed. The only way to be filled with satisfaction is to get low into somebody else's life and to see what it does. It reaps a harvest that is so good. I want to say something that's really important. It's not about me. It's not about me. God can pluck me out of here and put somebody else in my place and do a way better job. It's not about me. I need to hear that. Let me tell you something you need to hear. It's not about you. Some of you, your greatest obstacle is you. A little swift kick in the butt. Get out the way. You've been in the way too long. Watch what, watch what happens. Jesus knew Judas would betray him, but what did he do? He washed his feet anyway. Jesus knew that, that Peter would deny him, but what did he do? He washed his feet anyway. Jesus knew the disciples would abandon him, but what did he do? He washed their feet anyway. That's the test. It's the test. Will you get low with the people that frustrate you? Will you get low with the people that prick you? People that irritate you? People that get on your last nerve? Come on, somebody. Will you get low for them or will you just get low for the people you like, the people you enjoy, the people that don't ruffle your feathers? Jesus knew these groups of guys would would abandon him and yet he got low anyway and he washed their feet. Say Shazam. It's just almost as good as amen, but not quite. Maybe you know people aren't always the easiest people to serve. (laughs) Sometimes it's just a messy job, ain't it? Instead of being called ministry, it should have been called messiness. Come on, it's just messy. So let me ask you a question. How do you know if you have a servant's heart or not? How do you know? How do you know if you have the heart of a servant? I can tell you one way you can know. By how you respond when somebody treats you like one. 
How do you respond when somebody treats you like a servant? Come on, mamas. When your kids say, get this for me. About to knock your one tooth out, just saying. <laughs> like, I'll get low later, but you about to go down. <laughs> Come on. How, how does it? How does it when the boss comes by and tells you to do something that you think you're above? How do you know if you have a servant's heart? One way to tell is by how you respond when you get treated like one. How do you feel when you get treated like a servant? I'm not a servant, I'm important. Don't they know who I am? (laughs) Significance is about giving, not gaining. Number three, here's a third thought. Significance is about being the example, not the exception. It's about being the example. John 13, verse 12 to 15, watch what it says. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? I love this about Jesus. Like he didn't just give the example and then come back and and follow through. Like Jesus gave the example, washed their feet, tripped them all up. And then he sits down and says, now what do you think about that? (laughs) I just think that's cool. Do you understand what I was doing? You call, watch this now. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Jesus said, I want you to remember me, but I also want you to remember my towel, and I also want you to remember my example. So when you remember me, remember I had a towel, and I took off my robe, and I got a basin, and I got low with you, and I washed the filthiest part of your body. I want you to remember that example. Don't remember it every time I cast out a demon. Don't remember all those other things. Listen, I want you to remember this. This is what Jesus said. Remember the washing of your feet. Why does he tell us to remember that? Could it be that we forget? <laughs> oh, Monday's coming, y'all. <laughs> the, talk, the clock's ticking. Monday's coming. So how can Jesus, how could Jesus live this way? Let's go back to verse 3. How could Jesus live this way? Verse 3, Jesus knew. Say that. Say Jesus knew. Oh, we're going to have to just knew. Somebody in here needs to knew. I know, knew, whatever. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. And that he had come from God and would return to God. So Jesus' value didn't come from his title. It came from his father. So he could get low and not worry about losing any value. Ah, you caught that? You caught that. Why do we have an issue getting low? Because we have an issue with our value. We don't want to lose value. If I get low, that means I, I, I value less. I decrease my value. I lose value if I get low. 
So we don't get low because we don't want to lose value. Jesus got low and never lost any value. In fact, he gained value. Come on, somebody. Jesus got low because he knew who he was and where he was returning, and there was nothing else he needed from anybody else. He didn't put anything, any expectation on anybody else, anything on anybody else to give him something more than what his father gave him. God's given you everything that you need. If you're his son or his daughter, that's all you need. He's filled you with his spirit. That's all you need. You're already valued. And when you know that you're valued, you don't have an issue getting low. When you know that you know that you know that you're God's son or daughter and that you're going to return to him again one day, you don't mind getting low in any situation. Because you're never more like Jesus than when you get low into somebody's life. I just feel like there just needs to be like a, a, a marinating moment to just like, like where's your value come from? Where's your identity found? <sighs> I'm telling you right now, when you lose your ID, you start to lose your life. When you take your identity that, is, that should be found in Christ and, and God your Father and you start to put it down somewhere in this world, you start to get lost. You know what happens when you stay lost too long? You start to do things you would never do. You start to compromise to things you would never compromise to. You start to look more like the world than you ever did and are ever supposed to. You start to act like the world more than you were ever supposed to. You start to reach out for the world's things in order to feel this emptiness inside of you because you gave up, you forfeited your identity in Christ to gain something from the world that you could never gain, that it could never give you, that could never fulfill you, could never satisfy you. So we forfeit, we, we take something less Maybe because it's easy. Maybe because it's cool. I'm 47 years old. My wife buys my clothes at Costco, Sam's, and Walmart. I'm cool. If you don't like my clothes, don't look at them. I could give a rip. I don't care. Come on. I wasn't always that way. Oh, I wrestled. <laughs> the stronger my identity in Christ, the greater my value that lives inside of me. The greater the value that lives inside of me. The church today needs a confidence in who they are and whose they are. We don't need to be searching for it. Like, are you my mama? Are you my mama? Are you my mama? Are you my mama? Heaven forbid we never go into the world and look for that. Are you my daddy? Are you my father? Can you make me feel better? 
Can you, can you, can you pick me up? Can you like my post? Can you like my over-filtered picture? Preacher, preach! <laughs> My God in heaven, if you gotta edit it to get a like, just saying somebody saying something. If they didn't like it when it was natural, <laughs> did I just say that? It's true though, for real. I'm like, we gonna get to we gonna get to heaven one day. We are gonna look back, and some of you are gonna be embarrassed. Like, I know I will. I mean, they're saying it won't be because I put a filter on my face on social media. Okay, I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, but I got some other things I'd be embarrassed about. <laughs> Who do you belong to? Whose are you? Confession time. <laughs> this ain't even in the notes. <laughs> like I, I've struggled over the last several years. I don't know. I've, I've been in full time. We've been in full time ministry twelve years, roughly. I gotta check with the boss because if I say fifteen, she'll correct me, and I don't want to be corrected because I don't like to be corrected. So I just filter it. It's, it's a filter. <laughs> you're right. No, you're right more than I am. Did y'all hear that? Y'all got some witnesses? Come on, track with me, people. Help a brother out. Love your pastor for a minute. Dear Jesus. But no, I, I, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't exaggerating. I've, I've been in, we've been in full-time ministry for about roughly 12 years, and it's kind of embarrassing, but I do this sometimes. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know why I do this, but I do. Um, I'll go out in the community and meet somebody I've never met before, and they'll say, hey, what do you do? And, and I want you to listen to my response. This is, and I, I try to stop it, but like sometimes it just comes out too fast. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it just comes out too fast, and I go, ah, oh, I shouldn't have said that. They go, so, so what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor at Our Savior's Church, and, it, and I'll stumble like that. I'm a pastor at Our Savior's Church in, in Eunice. And they go, okay. But, but I raise cows, and I, and I, and I, uh, I got some rent houses, and, and I used to be in the business world. And I hate it. I hate that I respond that way, but there's something inside of me that wants their approval because I don't think they're going to be approved of me. I'm not going to find their approval if I'm just a pastor. And besides that, I don't like to use the term pastor. And so it's just this thing inside of me. Like it just keeps it. And I'm going, ah, bruh. I'm torn because I don't want to be known as Pastor Jamie in town. I just want to be pastor without having the title. Like I did better when I didn't have the title. Does anybody know what I'm saying? Like I don't like titles. And I think I don't like titles because pressure comes with titles. That's just a little confession. Pray for your pastor, whether he wants to be pastor or not, whether he wants to carry a title or not. But you see how it works? 
Like there's something inside, and, and I know it needs to die, but it's like I want people to approve of me. I want people to think of me a certain way, and I'm trying to control the narrative. I'm trying to control how they see me. My name's Pastor Jamie. I got issues. <laughs> but I'm growing, and the Lord's going to deal with it. I know my value, though. My value is not my title. We do a lot of things, don't we? Some of you are professional diaper changers. <laughs> Some of you are lifelong dishwashers. Come on, somebody. Some of you can't wait to get to heaven so there won't be no clothes and you won't have to wash them. Some of you are professional grass cutters. Children discipliners. <laughs> Some of you are professional in all kinds of areas, right? Some of you are, are administrators. Some of you have titles. Some of you have big titles. Some of you have small titles. Some of you have a platform. Some of you don't have a platform. It doesn't matter what your platform is. It doesn't matter what your title is. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is are you a child of God or not? Are you a child of God or not? Or not? Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. The worship team can come up. Jesus was telling the story of the servants. And I want you to listen to the language Jesus uses in this moment. He says, chapter, Matthew 25, verse 21, from the ESV version, it says, His master said to him, well done, good and faithful. What? What did he not say? Well done, good and faithful president. Well done, good and faithful CEO. Well done, good and faithful boss. Well done, good and faithful leader. Well done, good and faithful head of your household. He did not say any of those things. Who got rewarded in that moment? The servant did. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter, watch this now. This is, this is, this is the cherry on the top. Enter into the joy of your master. How do you get into the joy of the master? You got to serve your way into it. You got to get low. Get messy. Get a little dirty. Come on, somebody. You serve your way into the joy of the master. And I'm just going to tell you that's the best joy you can ever find is the joy of the master. A comedian will only give you so much joy. But deep abiding joy comes from the master and the master only. Which means this. 
If I'll just stay low and just keep serving everywhere around me, every opportunity that pops up in front of me, people in this world can take stuff from me. They can give stuff back to me. They can call me this or they cannot call me that. It doesn't matter because I found the place of joy and I'm staying right here. And so the, the plug and play, baby, you can plug stuff into my life. You can, you can give me a job. You can take a job. You can give me some rewards. You can take my rewards. You can give me some acknowledgement. You can take it. It don't matter. I'm staying right here. In a place of joy, the best joy that could ever be found. It's the joy of the master. And you get there down the road called serving. How many of you want some deep abiding joy? I'm not talking about that cheap, cheap temporary stuff. Like an ice cream can give you. That'll turn on you quick. <laughs> I'm talking about some deep abiding joy. Like when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, like there's still a flame burning inside of you. It says it ain't good right now, but it's going to be good in a minute. That kind of joy. It's found in serving. Well done, good and faithful servant. So significance doesn't ask, what can you do for me? Significance asks, ask, where's the towel? Where's the towel? It's not about me. It's not about what you can do for me. It's where's the towel? like with my own confession today unplanned, unscripted even in this moment while I'm the one doing the preaching Lord, realize there's something inside of me thank you Holy Ghost for speaking to us like that thank you for this moment Jesus we bow low at your feet today only because you bowed low at ours came to give your life as a ransom for many and to serve, not looking to be served. God, may we be a church that looks for opportunities to serve and not opportunities to be served. May we be a church that wears out our towels. Lord, I thank you for this moment. in this place.